Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Like A Real Book Club, where we talk about books and just about everything else. I'm Christina. And I'm Ashley. Doreen. Doreen today. <laughs> yeah, Doreen isn't with us today, but she sends her love. <laughs> Doreen is doing fantastic. Hot girl shades. She's doing hot girl shades. Like hot girl literary shades. Yeah. So Having like, dinners with Olive Senior. Get like her, please. Wait, wait, wait. That's what she's doing? That's yeah. what she's doing? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> we never even see that. Okay. Yeah, girl. Okay. Rebel Woman Lit is doing things. <laughs> um, but yeah, so today we're gonna be talking about um one of our book club picks from last year, um, the tail end of last year. We're gonna do that on like a mule bringing ice cream to the sun by Sarah Ladipo Manika. I'm pretty sure I just mangled her name. But Ooh. um, and we always have this whole thing. Always have this like, problem. Um, need yeah. where this whole pronunciation thing is go- is going, because the last one was uh, you was- won though. It was Edwidge. Yeah. So I'm mm-hmm. in the lead. We have a point system. Apparently, people sided mm-hmm. with you with mm-hmm. Ifemelu. That's because I was correct though. You're not correct. Christina. I was correct. I don't. I'm gonna get you're not correct. We're not forgetting to it, but facts is facts. Can you please say the author? Anyway, <laughs> her name. So, like a mule bringing ice cream to sun by Sarah Ladipo Manika. Okay, that's what I would say to Sarah Ladipo Manika. All right, cool. Well, anyway, so. <laughs> Okay, so for those of you who don't know, this was our November book club pick. And Christina and I just said that we haven't done any book review in a while of specifically a book club read. So we said, okay, let's um, let's do this one because we both read this one. Like while Rebel Man Lit is a reading community, literary community sometimes we don't well we're not always on the same page where reading is concerned um I know that I've missed a few other months of book club because I'm just not reading the book at the time or I'll just read it after um and so I don't know I well I missed this one this was actually one that I read after book club but I really enjoyed it and let me just read the summary. So, Morayo da Silva, a cosmopolitan Nigerian woman, lives in hip San Francisco. On the cups of 75, she is in good health and makes the most of it, enjoying road trips in her vintage Porsche, chatting to strangers, and recollecting characters from her favorite novels. This, sorry, then she has a fall and her independence crumbles. Without the support of family, she relies on friends and chance encounters. As Morayo encounters her, wow, I can't read. As Morayo recounters <laughs> her, moving, moving seamlessly between past and present, we meet Dawood, a charming Palestinian shopkeeper, Sage, a feisty homeless, grateful dead devotee, and Antonio, 
the poet whom Morayo desired more than her ambassador husband. Like a mule bringing ice cream to the sun is a subtle and mesmerizing meditation on aging, friendship, and loss. It is also a nuanced portrait of the erotic yearnings of an older woman. And this is a perfect summary because that's exactly what this um, book was about. Um, I don't know if we want, like every time, I mean, it's a small book, it's, or a short book rather, it's 118 pages, but it's so juicy and it's so well written that you feel, like I feel like I wanted to know more about her, about but I feel her, like yeah. I am okay with how the book ended too. I didn't, I don't know, is it, did you think that you wanted further backstory on, I think, no, actually, no. I wanted to know more about her life in Nigeria and her upbringing because she has flashbacks with her father and her mother or growing up as a child in Nigeria and then being sent to, she studied, she went to boarding school, right? Do you remember that? Why am I remembering um, that? I don't remember. I know she went to, she went to school in like London or something. I think it was boarding school in London. Yeah. All right. We'll just cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Well, um, yeah they- Sorry. I no, I don't I don't know if I necessarily wanted a backstory for Maria's life. I guess that's because I understand that the like the, the center of the story really is of this aged woman, this elderly woman, and what her life is like as an elderly woman. And I think maybe if given too much backstory, it would become a different book, if that makes sense. Because as I mean, as the, the description that you just read said, it's really a book about it's coming of age, but of an older age. Usually when we think of coming of age, we think of teenagers, we yeah. think of 16 year olds. Yeah. Um, going off to college. Right. Going off to college. Um, that's our idea. All hometown. Right. <laughs> Nebraska or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> And then going out to the big city. Exactly, because those are the coming of age stories that have been force fed to us. Exactly. And so That's here Hollywood comes Hollywood machinery. <laughs> why why fix what's not broken, right? Everybody still loves coming of age stories. People are always coming of age. So, you know, they're not gonna change. But um I found this particular coming of age story to just be really refreshing because I think I like a lot of other persons, we have not seen a main character that is in their 70s. Yeah. Not just that, but a main character who has so much life that still has this curiosity and this appetite for life. She's seen many things, but she knows that there's more to see and she's willing to see more. And, and she just don't give a fuck. And I love she really that. don't like, be doing that. Like she really don't business. Like she's not business. Like things say she all man I try act young. She don't give two shits. Like I mean, she's in her own world, and it's both funny but also admiring because <laughs> like I'm just remembering times when she's like oh she don't know she parked her car close enough to the curb and I'm thinking this big old Porsche in the middle of the road and like <laughs> <it> would just, <laughs> it would just 
that's just it. Like it's just in the road and nobody not going to not to her and she friend up the security um not security guard. She friend up the police and she get her she get her ticket off and it's like I don't know. It's it's doing a lot. There were times when I felt like she needed to dial it back. Like like she was I felt concerned for her and I don't know if that's just what society tells me that I need to feel and that that's the type of emotion that I need to have towards like an elderly woman but there are times when she's just doing her thing and it felt like that's the type of attitude that I want to have if I get to that age because uh, the way that life is (laughs) the way that life is going on right now and this this pandemonium that we're in I'm not even sure if we're gonna get it to 75 75 would be a nice number to get to but we move we move (laughs) so that was also something that it was equally concerning even while it was I guess kind of cute and charming Mm -hmm. just her marching to the beat of her own drums Mm -hmm. and I guess as well fighting back against the stereotype that that we have about elderly people especially elderly women Mm -hmm. we kind of de-sex them so they're no longer people they're no they're no longer people with sexual attractions or yeah. sexual feelings or not even just in terms of sex like intercourse but sex as in feeling you know like feeling good about yourself having that sort of vanity like we expect yeah. that with age like that would disappear yeah um she was just still she kept very it up. but i think what what Sarah did really well too and very subtly and not very on the nose is that there's still a danger to as you get older to doing certain things that can be classified as reckless there is a danger to not being as careful as you're supposed to be and that we see that with one of the main things that happened to her where she fell oh sorry this is gonna be full of spoilers for anybody who hasn't read this i just said go (laughs) (laughs) this is a review (laughs) yes but yeah so her falling and i think she broke her hip yeah right so she fell and she broke her hip and i think in a sense that was symbolic of the f- not just the fragility of humanity because anyone we can drop on broke a hip but just that it's a little bit more severe when you're older and that mm-hmm. there's a care that needs to be taken and i think that a part of that was sort of a, a reminder or well sarah Sarah's sort of reminding us or telling us the flaw in Moreo's plan, if that makes sense. Like the flaw in her wanting to be this carefree woman, while it's great and it should happen, there also needs to be a bit of concern or a bit of... um, Precaution. Yeah, like there needs to be a little bit more precaution there, so... When you were when you were just saying that, some a few thoughts came to mind. So, um, one was uh, that you spoke about the danger of uh, essentially aging, but uh, I think I want to also include the danger of just being a woman at any age because one of the okay. characters, 
um was uh, the grateful dead devotee what's her name um sage she was the homeless woman and uh, mm -hmm. i mean well san francisco is uh, a city in the us that is notorious for his for its homelessness issue um being homeless and being a woman are two major like it increases your vulnerability yeah I mean, when, because this book is told from multiple perspectives, which is actually a literary method that I like. I, I didn't realize that I liked it. But after reading this, and I mean, I've read a few books that have that multiple perspective. Um, like Girl Woman Other is like that. And I love that book. <laughs> so yeah, it's just, it's a really cool um approach to telling a story that I think is interesting and it makes for a more spicy story than having just like a you know like godlike narrator who know everybody business and whatever whatever Sarah does a really good job of uh, showing how women navigate life at different stages so Mariah would have been an older woman she's in her 70s Sage, while I'm not sure what her age is, I would assume that she was in I'd her say, yeah, 20s, I'd say about mid twenties. Thirties? Like maybe late twenties, early thirties. I kind of pinned her for like a mid thirties kind of person, but mm -hmm. I mean whatever whichever one, that's in the age bracket. Um, yeah, so she spoke about having her period on the road. She spoke about it just being really uncomfortable. She spoke about being in love and no being love sick and i mean if you're homeless you'd think okay well that being in love or is not the first thing that's supposed to be on your mind Should but not be your priority <laughs> exactly but it's just it's such a human emotion and it's a human feeling that like uh, that that forlorn for something that you don't have anymore um she spoke about missing her father so the grief of of like thinking about her father and then the happiness of thinking about her father playing guitar alongside um his her favorite musician who i think is also his favorite musician too i don't know um but yeah she and how she intricately weaved the different characters together because they only they didn't know each other before it was just a chance encounter that they had mm -hmm. and uh, having that connection and they, they I think they would have met maybe about or they would have um I think because no this didn't happen in one day right it was pre-birthday she was getting ready for her birthday and she was talking well, about how why is it that get a tattoo or something yeah she like she does something really you know, big and extravagant on her birthday. So she was thinking about getting a tattoo. She was talking about the mail that she got and why is it that certain agencies send people mail when they're older. So like the DMV, which is the the driving registration place in the US, they sent her like a basically she had to renew her license. Mm -hmm. Um, mind you, she was probably driving for several decades but again the how we have like a seemingly like systemic uh, uh, age phobia or elderly 
phobia where it's like once you get to a certain age yeah ageism thank you for that um once you get to a certain age it's like okay well you lose a lot of the things that you're able to do you lose a lot of your independence um and people just kind of they treat you like a child i mean that saying once a man twice a child just uh, solidifies itself in certain situations but um yeah so she was just talking about how it feels a little bit predatory for them to do that which i feel like i can i can i mean i'm not 75 <laughs> i feel like i can maybe see and i'm also, also not really around any old people so also her her oh. age um because she was she really wasn't parking well <laughs> i mean yeah her eyesight was kind of right good um and but for her and that's the other thing too like for her she thinks it's like it's a little thing no biggie very quirky yeah she's um, so free-spirited you but think also yeah something like that <laughs> yeah and I'm glad that she didn't but again we also recognize the recklessness um yep. of the dangers of doing that especially as you're getting older because the unfortunate fact is that um, your faculties don't work as wonderfully as they usually do. Um, so, Christina, so, you sound ageist now. Oh God, don't say that. I'm not trying to be ageist, but you're not trying to be. But all right. So what's a what's what's an appropriate way to talk about um, the changes in your ability to do things that you usually do? Say that. But what I mean, yeah, you can say that, but what kind of significant changes are there? Thinking about our leaders, we have whole ass leaders well into their 70s. I mean, I just Joe Biden is 78 and he just got elected for president, you know, like I mean, Donald Trump is like 77 or some shit like that. I mean, even locally too, I don't think our leaders, and there are many of our parliamentarians that are well into their 60s and 70s. So I think ageism is very gendered as well because uh, we just, uh, I guess we feel like when, once women get to a certain age, they lack uh, the sexuality like you're talking about and like sexual expression and they don't have cravings for those things. But uh, when men get to a certain age, it increases their um, like, sexual desirability you know you talk about men being silver foxes and they can bag like a a, a much a significantly younger woman but uh, when women try to do that it's like a cougar type of thing so i mean there are lots of different layers we can look at it and i'm i really 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 like that mario just never cared about any of that um God, I had another point to make, and now I okay. But can I clear up that? Uh, um, I really wasn't intending to be ageist. Yeah, I, but I know, but I understand yeah. that. I think what I want to get at is one, not her intelligence, like definitely not her intelligence or her her abilities, right? Because we yeah. see her doing several things, but then there was also. A part I'm trying to I've been looking through the book to try to find that part where I think it was that she keeps forgetting to pay for something 
and she kept having to make calls about it. It's the same license. I think it's the same DMV thing. Like uh, she had, I think it's she's forgetting to go in to retake her, do some tests. But there was even a part about after she fell and she had to go to the hospital. Um, when her friend, her neighbor came by and saw how the place looked, yeah. um, where it seemed as if um, the place wasn't being taken care of. Yeah. Um, so like those little things. Um, and again, not trying to be ageist, but I think, you know, like when you're living in a haze or in a bubble yeah. um, and the world, like when you have on rose colored glasses and so yep. the world looks peachy it looks like a wonderful day but when you remove them there's actually chaos I think a bit of that was happening with um Moreo where there is that haze that things are perfectly fine but, but there are little things that are falling apart because when her friend went to her apartment um sunshine yeah I think she realized that there were rats there um, well, they, she suspected. She that suspected there. that there were rats there. Not and rats, mice. Oh God! And I'm in San Francisco, it's a big city. So. No, I get it, but I think what it what it suggested was some amount of neglect. Yeah. Um, and and I don't think it was meant to be judgmental. Like I don't think Sarah was um, trying to be judgmental about that or or wanting us as the audience to feel judgmental or to feel pity or anything like that but just I guess juxtapose the two things that uh, there is this real battle and like you rightfully said which is really great ageism is really gendered like it comes down harder on women um, because now you're more disposable you're no longer desirable you're no longer beautiful um society has no need for you right now meanwhile for men you're now seen as revered you are you're worldly or sophisticated you have acquired so much knowledge let's look to you for direction life a new life (laughs) you can start a new life if people see you with a young girl yeah some might chat but but nobody's gonna it's not gonna be a thing right it's almost expected it's very gendered and I think one of the things that Sarah is doing here is, I don't know, kind of allowing both worlds to to coincide. Yeah. It's not just, it's not just black and white. It's not just, oh, women get older and then all of a sudden them not care in the world and them just, they're just not interested in, in anything anymore. Yeah. Um, but also there is that added thing, that reminder, I guess, because Moreo was, she, was, she, wasn't, she wasn't happy with being debilitated or with mm-hmm. being in a position where she didn't, like you mentioned, she didn't have her independence and her freedom anymore. Yeah, she was um, miserable when she was at the- um, the, the hospital. The rehabilitation. Yeah. And- um, What's her name again? Sunshine. Did Sunshine bring like did Sunshine bring books to her or tell yeah, her she did. something? And she got she really pissed off about it. Yeah, she said that she cleaned her room, her house, and um, 
they had to end up throwing away some stuff and she was her books yes not just books just like stuff that she didn't i guess she didn't have the time to go through or that guy who she paid you know i don't know there was some miscommunication um but what i really like about this book there's so much to talk about in just this short sweet 118 page book you know like um, I wanted to talk in particular about the fact that Mariah was childless and uh, because I feel like being childless and also being like elderly, an elderly woman in particular is uh, kind of... Mm, seen as shameful. It's seen as shameful, yeah, but it, it also feels a little bit uh, not uh, the norm it's very atypical like uh, even if you don't have two three children like there are lots of people who have at least one child you know and uh, I mean it's not that Mariah was opposed to having children she just uh, had a husband who was not so um well endowed and so he was unable to give her (laughs) that um but uh, I think uh, it, it well for me it had me thinking about what can independence look like as an elderly person, in particular, an elderly woman? If when you're you child free, child free, yeah. Like if you like, what type of systems do you have to implement in order to make sure that you can keep your independence well into your old age? Um, and I think she did well. I mean, and uh, you know. We might have to cut this out, but Mario reminded me a lot about Moji, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She it kind of felt like they had a, the same free-spirited type of personality. Yeah. Um, they were both lecturers, or both are lecturers, mm-hmm. and they had a, a good connection with their students. And it made me think about her a lot while I was reading it. Um, big up Moji. Um... But yeah, so I just, uh, because while she made enough money to sustain herself and to sustain her um, her lifestyle, she lived in a rent-controlled apartment, um, you know, like she, she had that type of personality where she made friends with a lot of people. And so if she needed, she can always count on somebody to, to help her out with something um there are a lot of big decisions that she has to make on her own because it's just her um she was not only childless she was partnerless too living in this big city of millions of people and it can feel I guess I don't know as a reader I kind of felt like I wondered if she felt a little lonely I wonder if she felt a little isolated at times and in her quiet moments you well, I definitely picked up on that. Um, I guess when she reflect on her, reflected on her life and some of the decisions that she made and not necessarily out of, uh, like, I guess some of the decisions she was encouraged to make or she just kind of fell into because of things. So, like, I'm thinking about her marriage. Um, I'm thinking about how she didn't even know that she was that guy's the ambassador's um second wife and uh, just some of and just the inexperiences that she had like 
she married really young. They had a really big age gap, um, maybe about 20 years, if I'm not mistaken. And so he did a lot of teaching to her um, sexually and socially and uh, um, intellectually too. Oh, wait, wow, I just randomly went, um, flipped to that page. So I'm just going <laughs> to read it. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I remember how proud she'd been when she, when she first published the book, one year after completing her master's. I'd been proud of her too, but jealous of the fact that she seemed more alive in her newfound world of academia than in the embassy life that I thought we shared. So this is a, um, a chapter from his perspective. I don't see his name, I don't remember his name. Um, oh, Cesar, I think is his name. Yeah. Um, yeah, so a chapter from her ex-husband, Cesar's perspective of, I mean, I get, I guess, like, what type of, um, so like I was saying, like, the type of pressure that she would probably feel to live up to some standard of being this person's wife, um, this public figure's wife in a country like Nigeria that is, like, very, um, into titles and status and tradition and things like that and like very particular and specific gender roles and to have somebody like Mariah who has such a big and exuberant personality to kind of feel pigeonholed into that and not supported in ways that she should be supported especially from her intimate partner and so I mean this story was I think this part, this story was really well written because we see so we have the um Mariah and Cesar's relationship and then you see a juxtaposition or well maybe not juxtaposition a comparison to the relationship between the man and his wife who has become senile now I forget both of their names um go on but, it. okay. Yeah, so he's just so devoted to her and so devoted to maybe not her recovery, but just their relationship. He is an immigrant from Guyana, um, an academic as well. And uh, he and his wife, uh, um, they had a very long and fruitful relationship. And uh, now her health was failing and even though he had desires for Mariah and was really attracted to her vibrant spirit he just uh, never felt like he could do anything because he has a wife and even though she's ill it's still his wife and so just to see I don't know just to compare somebody who is not cognizant that they're receiving receiving this amount of support versus somebody who was in their prime and was dealing with feelings of partner jealousy and things like that. It's just an interesting look at various relationship dynamics that I think Sarah did a really good job of. Um, I would really recommend this book to anybody who wants and a very a short read, but a very like sweet read you know I read that make you laugh because I actually laughed out loud a few times reading this book 
um, just how quirky Mariah is and how just uh, unattached she can feel at times. She just kind of, again, swirling around in her own world. And it's both admirable, but also just like, my girl Wayad because <laughs> there's some things that are serious you know I don't know but I liked it sorry I was I totally just like you chatting. went off on a monologue <laughs> but I love that for you I love that for you <laughs> Madeira try to remember all right what did she say that I wanted to respond to <laughs> but um I think what I wanted to go back to was the the child-free situation yeah um and I, I, I like that we can, un- I like that we can understand that there are different reasons why people are child-free, um, different reasons why they remain child-free. It could be because yeah. they, gener- they genuinely don't want a child and sometimes yeah. it's circumstances um, why they are and they probably aren't interested or don't want to go different avenues. But one thing though that... I guess we can learn from Muriel is the importance of cultivating community, you know, based on where you grew up and your society and um, what you're taught, it would almost seem as if the only way to have people who care about you is to have a husband if you're a woman um, and two children and that's it which is quite odd because if we look at jamaican communities that's not the family structure that we see a lot like it's not the primary family structure like for a lot of people it's generations in a household um Mm -hmm. or all of we live on the same street yeah but or 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 support system can feel really community oriented right at like a religious group so your church brother and sister that you've been going to church with for however long, mm-hmm. there is, a, um, what other groups are there? Just people, like just community that chosen you friends. Like you yeah, chosen family. Yeah, um, and we kind of see that with Muriel. So she has mm-hmm. sunshine. Why did we think, why would we not think Maybe. about that? Maybe. <laughs> So yeah, no, Mar- I mean, we're still friends and we went yes, to high school together. That's true. So. But we really became friends in university. No, okay, sixth yeah, form. No, sixth form. Exactly, exactly. Gazebo. Gazebo days. <laughs> when we're waiting on our rides. <laughs> but yeah, um, I was saying that Mario, she she had people around her. She had somebody like Sunshine who checks in on her often um who she has a close friendship with Mm -hmm. um dawid ish um i mean like he was a familiar face yeah yeah. but maybe not not maybe not a part of her community yeah no she Um, was more friends with um i remember her saying that she wanted to invite i think it's dawood's sister hold on you just said dawid a while ago no no girl dawood whatever (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, she wanted to f- invite Dawood's sister to her party had she mm-hmm. not fallen so yeah. I think she was more friends with her but I think I remember in Dawood's uh, um, chapter he like again like knows her face but doesn't really know her 
And so he was trying to remember like where where I know this lady from. He was kind of checking her out too and saying, well, she must have been really hot when she was younger, blah, blah, blah. But I wouldn't say that they're friends. Yeah, that's true. But what I also wanted to say as I was looking through the book again and we get Sunshine's perspective with yeah. um, her man, Ashok, and the two of them. Oh, yeah. That's, that's also an interesting back-to-back of a woman, mm-hmm. an older woman who is child-free, independent, living her life. And then here's Sunshine, who I don't remember if Ashok is her husband or fiancé or just boyfriend. I think, I think they're husband. married. No, yeah. they're married. Yeah, and they have two kids and just he how her life finance job and she's kind of like she has he has some serious finance job and she's kind of like carefree hippie type of thing yeah I don't like she was she, working at the time um she yeah and i think she she has she has a degree but she wants to go become a yoga teacher or something like that yeah, and something like that um she mentioned that you know ashok would not be very excited to introduce her as a yoga instructor mm-hmm. instructor to his family and so on but was, and what was Indian, also, right. which is also a very traditional and strict culture mm-hmm. so that also plays a huge role in how the gender roles and how um women would see themselves so right like mariah was really different because she kind of swam against the grain i don't know if it happened in her older life when she moved to the states and was living on her own i know that she would have conformed a lot while she was still the ambassador's wife but um it's just interesting to see how culture impacts how you operate or, and just know. how this how this idea of womanhood no not womanhood but this idea yeah. of um youth like youth means that you can do whatever you want where we see but on the flip side like we see sunshine who is much younger than um Mario, but is so bogged down in um motherhood because she she clearly carries the burden of um care in her household because while Ashok is at the computer doing him work thing she put the kids down to bed and now she'll tidy up tidy up the house afterwards right while she's also doing um, laundry and she helping with homework and and she and she's also taking care of Moreo's affairs and her home while she's while she's in rehab um and we kind of see this this struggle I guess, in a way, because I think I remember there was a point where she was surprised that Maria wanted to get a tattoo or maybe not surprised, but more. I don't know. What's the thing? I don't think it's shock or surprise, but like Maria's Maria at 75 is willing to do this seemingly big thing. Um, For a lot of people, getting a tattoo is a huge commitment and it's Mm -hmm. especially um interesting when you're older because the idea is that if you get tattoos at a young age when you get older you're gonna regret it because it's so permanent and I think I think that or even just like how it would look too on the skin like youthful skin doesn't lag as much versus getting one when you're older and I think I think sunshine 
having heard that, I mean, I think even though she knows Mario to be this carefree person, um, I think hearing and knowing that Mario would go ahead and do something like get a tattoo, I think it was almost like a shock to her system, like something that makes you reevaluate your life. Um, I don't know if maybe that was intentional for um, Sarah when she's writing it, because as you mentioned, we see a lot of that where we'll see what's happening in present day in Moreo's life. And then we'll either get a flashback of her past or we get the perspective of another person who is um, in either in her immediate circle or a few degrees um, away. So that whole thing of seeing, um, yeah, kind of the lies about age and what aging looks like. So the lie that when you're young, you get to be carefree, you get to do whatever you want. When really, when you're young, you're also held up to society's standards. There's, there are also expectations of you, especially as a woman. And then depending on your culture, what that comes with. And then as we mentioned earlier, the idea that as you get older, you're no longer interested in life. You're no longer interested in chasing the sunset, right? So she does a good job, I think, whenever, when we get those different perspectives, as you rightfully said, of women and how they navigate the world, how they, based on their different stations, based on their age, based on the, the ethnicity, based on... Um, being housed or unhoused and kind of forcing us to reevaluate our perceptions of these people. Because like you rightfully mentioned with Sage, like nobody's looking at a home and a homeless person and thinking, oh, you know, they might be interested in in having a companion or just a friend for talk to. Like we're not thinking that. Our immediate thought is them need a house, they need food and like or and, they're irresponsible and or they're, they're irresponsible and why they're on the road are them only gonna take the money or, or yeah. they're gonna take the money and buy drugs as yep. if we don't take our money by drugs so why so why are we upset if a homeless person take the money by drugs like yeah. do we not recognize that life is trash yeah um <laughs> But yeah, so, so like there's so much, there's so many perspectives that we get and so many opportunities to confront our biases because mm-hmm. sometimes we don't think that we have biases, but we do. And then with that, uh, I'm remembering now when she's at the rehab place and we meet three new characters. So we meet the chef, we meet the the man and his wife yeah and I think I think I think Morel seeing the wife I think it did something to her in that she saw that that's who she didn't want to be yeah yeah she didn't want to be as dependent on somebody she didn't want to be as senile to not recollect it to not know what she's doing and to not have a like a coherent conversation you know that was really scary to her I think or worse get them the amazing things that you have done exactly exactly I think seeing that woman can't find an I feel like her name is Grace (laughs) let me go look in the book seeing her 
it was like a shock to it felt like a reality shock to Mariah because mm-hmm. it could ease she I mean I guess that could easily be her but she mm-hmm. doesn't want it to be mm-hmm. you know well honestly oh the man named Reggie Reggie okay mm-hmm. tell me if I'm being a little bit harsh okay okay, okay. How she fell in the first place? Was she all up on the, the side of the, the tub? <laughs> like, what's she doing there? Please tell me. Like, honestly, so I had a very bad, I have a very bad memory about falling in bathrooms because I had a neighbor when I was younger who fell in a bathroom and she was an elderly woman too and she broke her finger. And when I tell you, like, that just scarred me for life. So I'm not dilly-dally nowhere you know my bathroom I'm I mean I understand she was admiring herself in the mirror she had to step up on the thing because she couldn't see herself she needed she wanted to see a full body image of what she looked like and the dress that she would wear and blah 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 but I don't know I'm just like my girl that too risky I wouldn't even try to do that and I'm in my 20s, you know, Listen, like... You can't tell good what to do. <laughs> true, true, true. I feel like I'm, I'm being a little judgy, but I just feel like... I feel like it's okay <laughs> to have that bit of judgment. <laughs> I, I mean, while I would definitely help her, one of my questions would be if I ever met her, but like, why you do that for? Like, why, why babes? Why? Yeah, like, what, what was doing? the reason? Tell me... <laughs> What we're doing? Why are we doing this? <laughs> oh boy. But uh, um what was yeah, I want I mentioned um Reggie and his wife yeah. because that was also another interesting look at aging and yeah. um losing your companion and watching your companion sort of fade right before your yeah. eyes. Um yeah being unable to do anything but I was also really appreciative of the fact that that character still he still held a lot of care for her um Mm -hmm. he understood that life for her right now is difficult because he he he's there like every day right like him know the routine and the schedule and everything in place because he's there every day yeah and I can imagine that that's extremely hard you know yes sorry yes is him wife that's the quote-unquote commitment that you made but also him could I live around about in business right yeah and I mean he did speak about uh, he used to be her primary caregiver but it just got too difficult for him so he used to bathe there he used to feed her and all of those things for several months before um he put her in the home and he felt super guilty about doing that but he just couldn't manage to take care of her in the way that she needed to be taken care Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. by himself and so like it's important to also like you said as the relationships change over the years um how you navigate them you know and the the type of hurdles that you have to jump over Mm -hmm. and what commitment can look like in different phases of your life um he was lusting after mariah though bad bad like uh, and he but, was a little she's a little art girl like i mean yes nice but, answer. the thing is that you know one of the things that i thought about too 
because Cyril, um, the author, found a way to really address a lot of issues that women face in this short book because she did plant like in a very covert type of way talk about sexual assault um and uh, I, br- I bring that up because uh, while i think uh, reggie's character was written to be a likable character it shows the flaws and the like uh, i guess the um ego or the what is it called when you feel like you deserve something i forget entitled yeah the entitlement that a lot of men have and the intense the entitlement that uh, men show to women so like he just felt like he's just so enamored by her and wanted to give her this thing i don't know or ask her a question and him going to her room when she was in there and the door was closed and he was just like no i need to talk to her right now and him intruding on her like that gave her this flashback of something that happened to her and i mean it's just so tragic that uh, one you never really forget things like that if they happen to you like you could be well into your 70s and living your best life and somebody like mariah who she really marches to the beat of her own drum but uh, immediately can feel just as unsafe as she felt in that moment and uh, i don't know it's just uh, it's it's a painful reality that so many women experience and i i mean i really like that sarah put it in there because truly while this was uh, a multiple person's perspective perspective story this uh, was about Mario's life. She was mm-hmm. the main character. And so she took us through the type of people, like she took us through what her day looks like and, or her life looks like. And um, yeah, this was just an unfortunate and hurtful thing that happened to her. Yeah. It was, and kind of a reminder of, how unsafe it is to be somebody who identifies as woman. Yeah. Um, and we know, of course, it gets even worse if you're a trans woman. Um, just the unsafety with occupying that category. Yeah. Um, yo, I was just thinking about how this one little book touched on so many fucking things. Yeah, girl. <laughs> like... Like I'm trying to sift through my brain about some of the things that happened because I was looking <laughs> through the book just now and um, I saw that there was also a part with the perspective of the chef who was cooking at the at yeah. the nursing home yeah. and just how excited he is to make the different menus. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it, that is like a Black experience mm-hmm. because, uh, I mean, I never, t- that, no, I think he, it was, it was um, assumed, or it can be assumed that he's black. Although, did he say it outrightly? I mean, I remember, but he spoke about going back to Africa and he spoke about like learning how to cook from his mother. Um, yeah, he wanted to. He, he said, him being from he the said south. His mother, his mother wanted to go to Africa. 
Yeah. yeah. But then it shows like I was annoyed with his character because it just shows also the ignorance of black Americans. Ooh. You never really know nothing <laughs> about, about Africa, but it just so nice. Yeah, man, we just want to go because it's so nice, and that's where returning black home. Like, no, and and she, you know, um, he never know where Nigeria was, and uh, Mariah made sure to correct him to say that you know Africa has 54 countries it's not just one big everlasting mass so it's <laughs> girl this book is good um it won a I think it won a prize and then it got shortlisted for a prize and it's really deserving because she tackles so much in the in this short in book. this novella like there was a lot um and i the, the unfortunate thing is that we haven't even begun to cover everything no, no 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 don't do us like that i feel like we, we no, do I th- we've done we've <laughs> done a lot i'm just saying that because there are so many themes um that sarah brings out mm-hmm. um like you don't need more time to really True. sit with them and like True. go through each chapter um, what did you think of the ending? Um, what was the ending? <laughs> Hold on. I think she did drive off in our port. Oh, yeah. She... Buttercup. Um, I mean, I guess. <laughs> I don't really have <laughs> any thoughts about the ending. Um. I feel, okay, so I, I read this book maybe about two months ago, so I don't really, I mean, I thought the ending was fine. I don't really have any strong thoughts about it. Um, and Reggie tells his perspective too, because Pearl is white and he's black. So they're in an interracial relationship. And uh, um, he spoke about uh, when he was back in Guyana, he was in love with a girl who was some big important public figure in Guyana mm-hmm. um the his daughter and um actually Reggie's not black he's he said coolie so he's like Indo-Caribbean and um yeah so basically the white man in Guyana dismissing him to say you can't even, don't even want to think about my daughter because you as a coolie boy, a little coolie boy, can't get with her. And so he had flashbacks of that when this old white man was having some sort of racist rant in the cafeteria at the rehab center. Um, again, really just neatly delicately woven into the story like it just flowed so well and uh, I read like she it really is the the telltale sign of like a very strong storyteller and I've never read anything by this uh, this author but I would definitely look out for more stuff from her because uh, it's a good book there's something that I just saw that I highlighted. Oh, um, that Mariah Mario, sorry, said. Um, it says madness. I think to myself, it's madness here. Madness, madness, 
old age is a massacre no place for sissies no place for love songs no place for dreaming no place for dreaming erotic dreams about a man half my age like <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that fully captures i think so again so much of what she is fighting against about what this idea of being old means what this idea of aging means like I'm pissed off about it what do you mean I can't fantasize about young men and touch myself and bring myself to orgasm like what do you mean the candidate what do you mean I can't drive a Porsche and wear fancy clothes and buy organic flowers at the shop right across the street what do you mean I can't live in a beautiful apartment in downtown San Francisco like what do you mean? I yeah, totally. I totally feel you where that's concerned. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk about work all over the place because we <laughs> touched on so much. But the theme of the immigrant experience too, because we get Dawood as the Palestinian flower shop owner, um, the person who came to clean um the apartment that sunshine, um. that sunshine paid to clean the apartment he is from not the u.s um mariah herself is not from the u.s she's an immigrant from nigeria um reggie is not from the u.s he's an immigrant from guyana so it just it it's a very multicultural perspective too while san francisco is a major city or one of the biggest cities in the US. I'm happy that this was, um, the, the story was there because it is one of those cities that people flock to for, it's a, God, I don't want to butcher it. It's a sanctuary city, sorry. So like, mm-hmm. if you go there, I don't know, okay, let me scratch this because I don't want to say anything. That's <laughs> I feel not. like I know what you're trying to say. But it's a sanctuary city, so like, immigrants will have uh, it's supposed to be in in i guess in theory like as a safety safe haven for for um immigrants like they're not gonna they're not looking over their shoulder every second that they're gonna get deported so back to the ending right so i just did a quick read of the ending um where she and buttercup her car um sort of just drives off into the sunset as she I guess she she find her final not giving a fuck yeah um, which is great but also again <laughs> reckless because she's speeding through the lights and um sort of telling herself that she's not blind or she's not losing her eyesight I should say yeah yeah um even though you know it's becoming it's become increasingly obvious that you know her eyesight isn't as great as it was before as is evidenced by her tickets and her um her poor parking and so this ending now um where she's just blazing through it's bittersweet isn't the word but it's it's like you're rooting for her, but you also want her to be safe. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, yes, Mario, go live your best life. But also, ma'am, what like, are you doing? <laughs> you can have fun, but do it responsibly. And I don't really think that the, the end scene was her being responsible at all. Like, <laughs> on you know, she she's basically setting herself up for another ticket. <laughs> you know? Or, or harming herself and several other people. True, true, true. Very, 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 very true. But I just read upon the sanctuary city law. Um, so uh, yeah, I just wanted to touch a little bit on that San Francisco being a sanctuary city. And basically yeah. what that means is that uh, the citizens of San Francisco should not use public funds in order to aid immigration. So ICE um to the basically deport people so if as a undocumented person you live in um you live in san francisco and you're working somewhere your boss shouldn't be able to just use public funding and public resources to try to get ice to come and do some sort of sweep on you um but uh, there are lots of challenges with being that i mean People know about this law and they flood that area. San Francisco is a notoriously expensive place to live. Um, Mariah, yeah, Mariah spoke about it, how if it wasn't for her rent-controlled one-bedroom apartment, the person who owned it could have been renting it thousands of dollars more than what she's paying now but because of when she got it and because of the rent control laws she has it for a particular price and it's a sweet apartment you know it's a third floor she have a good view um and while it's not big and you know ostentatious she it's, it's comfortable it's sufficient for her. and it's very comfortable for her but then you juxtapose that with uh, sage who is on the street and she can't afford to um she don't know where her next meal is coming from she can't afford to take her well she's not she's temporarily on the street because she lived in her car but uh, they took away her car because some sort of maybe parking violation or whatever it is so she's homeless you talk about uh, Dawood talks about how you know hard it is to keep the shuttles up in his uh, for his small business because uh, he he owns a flower shop but it's not like organic flowers that yeah it's not no you know it's not not a big excitement exactly Mm -hmm. and san francisco is a a hippie city like people are all about organic this and farmers market that and whatever whatever at the expense of a lot of people who just can't afford to do that or can't afford to sell those type of products because they won't, people won't buy them because I mean I think uh, if I'm not mistaken in Dawood's um, chapter he was talking about how Mario never really shops from him she shops up the road a, a few blocks up the road at the organic place and for whatever reason you know like he that, that other places organic organic flowers are considered superior to Dawood's yeah but yeah, it's just it's just so layered. It really, I mean, she sp- it. She also touches on how when she went down to the precinct to try to get her um ticket um thrown out, 
Mm-hmm. How the only people or the majority of the people who were at the police office were young black men. And while they treated her, you know, like their auntie or their grandma or whatever, and they really looked out for her, somebody even helped her down the, the staircase. Like her heart had a moment where she stopped and she really observed that maybe the overwhelming majority of people who are having court cases are black men. And so that touches also on the systemic racism that exists, even in places in the US that are supposedly considered safe and a sanctuary for all residents there. It just shows uh, the unequal distribution of uh, Mm -hmm. privilege and power and wealth and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's so basically really... everybody needs to read this book. Yeah, yeah, I can't, <laughs> basically. I, can't stop, I really cannot stop recommending it enough. It's a short, sweet book. The author did an excellent job of tackling so many big and difficult human issues in through the 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 perspective of a, a person who we don't necessarily hear a lot from and we need we just touched it well we more than touched the surface I feel like but we didn't go really in detail of uh, her husband and uh, you know that, that type patriarchal of mess. sorry so that patriarchal mess yeah like but also though like also though her little rendezvous with antonio yes girl <laughs> but then like who antonio is too like he's a photojournalist that was sent from some international company brazil oh yeah, 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 yeah okay i was about to have throw shade on antonio i thought he was white <laughs> but he's actually brazilian no man I'm, I'm, I'm spicy yeah okay he's spicy okay me get a little pass still <laughs> But um, yeah, but and he was <laughs> like, like he was like Cesar's friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Cesar deserved that though. The girl did messy, but I loved it. Um, you remember what he called Mariah? Good, good Mariah. How she her loving his mother is motherly. <laughs> like, what do you mean, sir? I hey, he wouldn't get nothing from me after that. Listen, <laughs> listen. Sorry, Sherlock. <laughs> and but she she spoke out she spoke rightfully so about how he had the opportunity to explore with so many people and uh, she just didn't have that because obviously that's gonna consider loose and it's frowned upon for women to have multiple partners but Cesar especially as a public figure again um in Nigeria he's allowed to have multiple wives and he's and nobody cares like nobody, and, yeah, cares. nobody cares nobody cares and while yeah they had a, a, a would you okay how would you describe their relationship I definitely think that they loved each other or there was some kind of love in the beginning but at some point his life or well she became subsumed under his life so his ambassadorship diplomatic whatever it became the center of their lives and I think there was a point in it where she like you know like she's she probably thought that she was losing herself a little and he didn't he didn't like him never pay attention like he he didn't see that which is why again he was so surprised when 
she had our thing and she's excited about it. He's like, I don't understand this joy that you're feeling. <laughs> but also, like, she just got bored. <laughs> like, the girl you know, is tired. It's just the same old, same old meeting, the same old stuffy people and just having the same... And the pretense, like, the pre- and, like yeah. pretending to be interested, pretending exactly. to care. Exactly. She's just was over it and I don't blame her I really don't those type of things can I I can imagine how stuffy and like pretentious they can and performative it can Mm -hmm, feel mm -hmm. so yeah I don't blame her and that's why I think too I think that added to the excitement of Antonio um one somebody who's actually interested in her and who um, sees her who sees her right somebody who sees her beyond just my wife yeah yeah but and I never it's, anything they yeah. never crossed any line. but there was but there was the tension yes the, the tension. tension they did it <laughs> that's why when she laid on in our coach at evening time she <laughs> thinks of antonio and she do her thing <laughs> Narangar still Yeah, yeah. Love that for her. Thank you so much for listening to Christina and I talk about uh, like a meal bringing ice cream to the sun. If you want to read this book, you can check it out at Rebel Woman Lit or store. Um, also, if you're in Jamaica, you can borrow a copy from our community library. If you are interested in supporting Rebel Woman Lit, you can think about becoming a sustaining member. Um, please do not forget to share this episode with all of your friends and family and your bookish community. And you can always follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Rebel Women Lit. I think that's it. So see you at book club, guys. Bye. Stay lit. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye.